Welcome to episode zero of the Heathen Weirdos podcast. We're a brand new podcast focused on inclusive, anti-folkish heathenry, particularly from the perspectives of women, trans, and non-binary heathens. Anyone who pays even a modicum of attention has noticed that the vast majority of voices in heathenry and its various branches are cisgendered, heterosexual men. That's not necessarily bad. There's a lot of really good ones out there. But heathenry is more than just dudes. Our aim is to showcase perspectives that aren't as common in the media narrative about heathenry in order to show how truly varied and nuanced our spiritual path can be, and that it truly is for anyone. We'll be covering topics that range from absolute beginner stuff like good starting books and how to vet sources to more advanced topics like Sather and Rune Studies. Hopefully, we'll create something that's interesting, entertaining, and a little bit weird, just like we are. So uh, let's go ahead and tell our hopefully more than seven listeners <laughs> a little bit about who we are. So, um, Kenna, do you want to start first? I'm Kenna. I'm 24. She, her pronouns. I'm an eclectic witch and heathen. Been so for about a year. My practice is totally a mess because I live in the American Southwest, but am trying to pull old Scandinavian folk magic in. So that's fun. Uh, besides heathen, I'm an animist. So if it has a noun, it has a spirit. An omnist, meaning that you are all right about your faiths. They're all true. They're all valid, even if I don't like them. Fair. <laughs> okay. Um, Sif? Uh, I'm Sif. Uh, my pronouns, pronouns are she, her. I'm 28. Uh, I'm a recon Norse heathen who is perpetually fascinated by the pre-Christian Nordic beliefs around death. And specifically as well, historical Sather. Um, my hearth court kind of revolves around those elements and is comprised of Hel, Freya, Sif, Scarthy, Air, and the Valkyries. Uh, I am bisexual, I'm an artist and a writer, and as you might be able to tell from the accent, I'm from the UK. Okay, so <laughs> Theo, you're up. Hey. Hi, I'm Theo. My pronouns are they, them. I'm non-binary. Um, I'm 31. I have been some flavor of pagan or witch for 15 or so years. I basically, it started with a feeling, the feeling of being called by Kirnunas. Different parts of my praxis have come and gone over the years. Um, I had a really rough introduction because um, when I started, I was part of a, a group of some sort and it was, there were problems. So I had to redo my entire praxis. I've been officially a uh, Norse heathen for about a year now, and I'm still working on how that looks for me in my praxis. Um, I currently primarily work with Hel, Freya, Loki, Air, and Kernanos. I love to make stuff and create things, and I try to make most of my own offerings. And I'm currently learning to carve altar pieces. Nice. Yeah, hot mess seems to be um, a pattern. <laughs> I'm Astrid. I'm 33. Uh, she, her pronouns. Um, I've been pagan for about 20-ish years and a heathen for about 10. I'm from Colorado originally, but I'm currently living in South Georgia. I am a librarian, so I have an obsession with books. And if you need help researching something, I'm already looking it up for you. It's my superpower. Jay is next. Hey, everybody. I'm Jay. I'm 40. So I'm the mama bear of the group. <laughs> she, her pronouns. I'm from New York City, born and raised. I started off as an eclectic witch for just about 20 years or so. About a year ago, heathenry pulled me by the hair, basically. And that's 
been my practice now for about a year, kind of mixing the two, still trying to figure that out, but I am loving the journey. So yeah, that's me. Okay. So now that everybody knows a little bit about who we are, um, we can talk some about why we're here, why we're doing this podcast. And if, if you didn't already pay attention, which you should have, weird is in the title of our podcast. So Sif and Kenna will talk a little bit about weird and what that actually means. Okay, welcome to the party. What the hell is weird? Weird is very, very simply the Norse slash Anglo-Saxon, mostly Anglo-Saxon, but it's fine. Conception of fate. It is not fate the way we understand it now. Weird is often kind of represented as a web where threads are woven and interwoven by the Norns. Norn Erd for the past leaves what is already done. Vrthandi moves the threads of the current moment, all based upon the decisions we as individuals make, and Skuld watches and weaves what is coming based onto those decisions. Weird is actively changed and chosen with every passing moment. It is, of course, much more complex than I can explain in five to six sentences, but that is the <laughs> basic framework. Yeah. Um, and the familiar image of the web of words is quite modern. Uh, we have it as our logo, albeit with like um, a sun cross as well, kind of interwoven between it. Uh, the earliest kind of sighting, as you were, of the Web of Word is from the early 1990s, so very modern. Um, but it offers a nice example of the way that the pre-Christian Germanic people might have imagined everyone's individual threads coming together to form a cohesive whole, a whole that is constantly evolving and changing. Uh, the Web is far from static. So with all of that in mind, this podcast is our attempt to weave the weird of modern heathenry into a space that's safe and welcoming to everyone. All right. So we pulled some friends for some questions they had for us because we're apparently really bad about talking about ourselves without some kind of a lead in. Uh, so the first question we wanted to answer is what should your listeners and audience expect from an episode? We're going to try to stay on topic as much as we can, uh, but expect tangents to happen. They will happen. We're all talkers. We all have lots of words to say, so it's going to happen. None of us have done podcasts before, so we're sort of learning on the fly, too. So there'll be some technical snafus and difficulties for a while, probably. And thank you for sticking with us through that. Uh, we will get better. <laughs> and each episode uh, will basically be a discussion around a specific topic with kind of a rotating lead host situation. There's five of us. So we're going to have at least three on each episode, sometimes all of us, depending on the topic. Sometimes we'll have a guest later. Um, it'll be pretty varied. So what experience or moment did you have that really made you sure that heathenry was the right path for you? Jay, do you want to start first? Sure. Because uh, this was only about a year ago. Like I said, I've been, you know, a uh, basically an eclectic witch for about 20 years, never really stuck to anything specifically religious. And I had been getting little teeny bits of like a poke basically towards it. I've worked with Freya for probably about 10 to 15 years. I should have seen it ahead of time, but I didn't. But then getting interested in ear, there was that little extra poke. And then actually I was talking with another creator that I'm friendly with. And it came up in conversation, so I did a little bit of poking on it. And it was just kind of like a light bulb came on. And it was like, oh, okay, this is it. And then I did my first like actual offering ritual. And that was that spark of, 
yeah, this is it. It's hard to put to words, but I know a lot of heathens understand that. So Yeah, that's definitely mm-hmm. a thing. It's that aha moment. So, yeah, that was it for me. Yeah, I think mine was pretty similar in that regard. Uh, it was the first time I initiated the gifting cycle with Freya. I was a pretty ardent nihilistic atheist uh, between the ages of like 8 and 21. So really quite a long time. Um, and it was a feeling of, well, pri- prior to calling myself a heathen, I felt quite adrift. Went into animism about around the age of 21 and uh, just started skirting around the edges of uh, paganism. So really it was that first time I said like, oh, hey, uh, I'm Sif. Um, what am I doing? Uh, <laughs> like, um, here's here's a candle and um, here's some water that you may want, you know, if you want some of that. Um, and really it just clicked after a few moments of, um, and it felt like as cliched as it sounds, uh, kind of coming home um, after years just spent floating. And, you know, it was that kind of moment that really dispelled a lot of those lingering thoughts of, you know, all oh, this is just brain stuff, I'm, you know, imagining things. And it was really that first big experience that I couldn't explain or logic away, essentially. And that's when it, I really said, oh, okay, this, this is the thing. Uh, I guess I'm heathen now. <laughs> yeah. Oops, heathen now. I feel like that's how that happens. <laughs> it's definitely like a, it happens slowly and then all at once kind of a thing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Sprout just comes through. Yeah. day you see the word heathen, you go, yeah, no, that sounds right. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I also started out in animism. I've been an animist as long as I can remember. I was a Girl Scout, so we learned how to talk to trees real early. Heck yeah, I was and a Girl Scout. <laughs> I love that. Yes, Yeah, Girl Scouts, gateway to paganism. Um, <laughs> so I've been talking to trees and like spirit and fire and all of that stuff for forever. So when I started doing witch shit, sense... I slowly found myself in, involved in more and more content creators, people who came at witchcraft from different angles. The whole working with deity thing was very strange to me because latent atheism, I was very much like, yeah, the rock has a spirit, but there's no sky daddy. That would be silly. <laughs> so <laughs> as I went on, I found more and more doing it differently and things started to click. And then I was talking to the trees out loud more. And I was outside and think I could see runes in the clouds. It sounds very ridiculous, but it, it's real. They're there. They're in the tree bark. And things just clicked into place. I tried to logic myself out of it, too. The thing that shifted it for me was I sat in on a heathen ritual. I'm literally sitting alone in my room. No one else is there. I'm just listening to someone talk. There would be no reason for my heart to swell with emotions it did. I couldn't deny that it was happening. It wasn't like being at a concert where the excitement is contagious and you can just kind of get caught up in it. I was just sitting at home in my room in the dark, feeling all of those things anyway. I couldn't ignore that. Yeah, I definitely felt that the first time I was uh, watching a ritual too. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely like, I'm not in person with these people, but I feel all these things. And yeah, it's uh, it's an experience that I did not think was going to happen. And I think that was one of the other kind of, that was a clue by four moment. Yeah, I've been a pagan for obviously a long time. And I started, you know, just I was doing my thing. 
with my witchcraft and other whatnots. And Loki just started like approaching me and I was just like, no, no, thank you. No. And you know, <laughs> no. you can only ignore <laughs> Yeah. Um and you can only ignore Loki screaming at you for so long, I promise. Like it, it, this was like years in the making. I'm not I'm not saying like it was just immediate. It was just like, hey. Oh, and I was like, no. And Loki was like, I'll be back. It's fine. <laughs> um, and that just happened in a cycle. And then eventually I was like, fine, what do you want? So I started working with Loki and then I started looking a little more into Norse paganism. And then I ran into like Ocean Kaltoy and other creators on YouTube. Because the, the pandemic had started by this point. So I, I wasn't able to attend an in-person ritual. And I participated like just like a backseat watcher in a ritual in March 2021. And that, that basically cemented it just because I was like, oh, this is okay. This is right. Yeah. What was your religious background and what drew you to paganism? So I was raised in, in an extremely Christian household and not just like like a cons- it was a conservative Christian household. And I think it all started like, and this is going to sound really strange, I know, but I think it all started like when I watched Pocahontas for the first time when I was a child and how like, you know, they, they talk, they do talk about animism a little bit and it, and that idea always stuck with me after that. And I, I didn't have a name for it until I was in my teenage years. Um, but like that always stuck with me and Christianity just never really fit. And then when I was about 12 or so, my uncle came out as a pagan and he got married and his wife is also pagan and they had this group that they practiced with. So I kind of like just went with them because it made sense to me. And I guess that's, that's basically what drew me in. Yeah. I was somewhat similar. Uh, I was raised Christian, specifically Church of England, as most people seem to be. I feel it's kind of a bit relaxed, but if someone asks, you say Christian. Um, I was christened. Uh, I had godparents. Um, but from a really early age, I just knew it wasn't for me. Uh, I was obsessed, as many pagans seem to be, with mythology from a young age, uh, specifically Greek mythology. And you know, to this day, I still greatly respect Athena and Artemis, although they're not part of my praxis. As I mentioned earlier, I, I kind of had those kind of animist thoughts coming in in my early 20s, um, but mostly held back just due to the common thoughts of, wait, is this a thing? Do people still worship the old gods? You know, is there a community around this? Um, and then uh, four years ago, I started leaning heavily into heathenry, um, kind of doing some research not into like, well, Norse mythology, just kind of, you know, feeling if I was familiar with these gods which you know marvel being a big thing you kind of like dip your head in and then trying to reconcile my previously very atheist beliefs with a more increasingly more uh, polytheist one spent a lot of time reading um and just trying to think about uh, who are these gods you know what's their history and trying to balance the different perspectives so that leads into currently which i've been openly heathen now for two years um i'd say with quite a lot of research for the last four years. 
and really getting my hands stuck in in the last year into the greater community and promoting inclusivity on that front. Um, yeah, that's how I got here. I know with me, I kind of have the uh, I'm the odd man out a bit in a lot of heathen spaces. I was actually raised in a Jewish family, a Jewish diaspora family. My parents are both second generation from different parts in Eastern Europe. So usually you were kind of, you know, it's drilled in your head. You're going to be Jewish. Most of us don't really observe very much. You kind of go to temple when you do and then you don't. But for me, it was never like it was never what it was for me. I knew there was something out there. I wasn't quite sure what it was. I wasn't sure if it was something in everything, if there was, you know, one thing up there, if they were multiples. It took a long time for me to move from, okay, this isn't it, to, well, this is kind of maybe, and by that point I had gotten into witchcraft, which I was still doing it more like an animist perspective to it. And then about five, six years into that is when I started working with Freya. So again, a little bit of, okay, yeah, the gods are there, but I'm not going to really worship them like religion. And like I said before, it took a long time of like those little teeny tiny pokes that Freya would do. Um, kind of like, hey, you know, maybe take a look at this. Look into this aspect of me. And eventually it just kind of goes into, okay, fine, I got it. <laughs> and it's just like, yep, this is it. So it, it took a long time for me to go from what I was raised, which I thank the gods every day that I didn't have to really deconstruct a lot. Because um, I know that that's a huge struggle. And I know that's something that we all kind of want to help our listeners to to an extent when we can but I got really lucky in that respect so yeah I love how everybody's stories kind of have these sort of um overlapping circles of I was raised this way but it didn't really fit or I was interested in this thing but I didn't really know if I was doing it right like that's very common <laughs> in paganism as a whole yep absolutely Okay, I guess we can move on to the next question, and that is, what specific needs in the pagan or heathen community are you hoping this podcast will address? All right, well, I will start out with this answer because I have it written down because I'm planted. <sighs> yeah, I'm planted out. Uh, <laughs> there's a huge lack of diverse voices in heathenry, and every single person on this podcast is some combination of femme assigned female at birth non-binary and queer like we are we're we're weird and i love it we're really aiming to just be examples of how heathenry isn't only for manly men with beards and that there's more nuance to the spiritual path than's often shown and talk about um, that perspective offers a really different take on a lot of the myths and stories that we have from norse sources um, the one about freya and brisingamen is one that women will relate to differently and pretty much any Loki story is one that queer people will identify with differently. Uh, there's a lot of really interesting interpretations of these myths and the deities in them that aren't stagnant. And there's no way, there's no one way to view any of them. And we want to add to the narrative of like 
men did man things and women did woman things. That's typically thrown around in heathen discourse. So we're trying to kind of make it more inclusive. It's there because heathenry is inclusive and it needs to be shown as inclusive. I would add that I think heathenry is seen and paganism in general as the religion with homework. Um, so there's an immense obstacle to overcome for new heathens in terms of dragging themselves through the minefield of misinformation or advanced academic language. Um, so I hope as we're all practitioners and you know we're dragging ourselves through the minefield altogether, we can help new heathens to navigate all of it and present them with, present them with information that is clear, concise and easy to understand. Absolutely. Yeah, because accessibility is a huge thing. And a lot of those, you know, early sources that we have are like locked away in these academic language minefield situations, just like you said. So it's hard. It, not everybody has the spoons to figure out how to piece through that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I also think one thing, too, is that we are all for the most part we're not like 10 years deep into this except for you Astrid so a lot of <laughs> us like we said are still kind of trying to figure out where our praxis lands in our life and I think that's something that's a view that a lot of people don't see from a lot of the content creators that are out there they've been so established and it's kind of like it can be intimidating when you first see it like they've got this whole setup they know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about. I'm never going to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And kind of seeing people who are still kind of going through that. They've gotten through a lot of the beginning part, but a lot of us are still kind of trying to figure everything out with our practice. So I think that view too is something that a lot of people can, that a lot of people can learn something from. Yeah. Um, Empathize with. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and another thing is I can't remember exactly how many of us, but a lot of us aren't just Norse heathen. So it's yeah, having exactly. to figure yeah. It's having to figure out how that looks even with like other stuff meshed into it. And I mean, we also don't have a clear picture of what it really looked like back in the day. Oh yeah. And like syncretic practices are normal. Like, and people don't realize that that's a thing that so many heathens do. I mean, I, I don't as much, but like, I, I understand why people do that. Like, sometimes it just, it, life is fucking weird and it just does that. <laughs> <laughs> like, one thing that I would really hope we would accomplish adding like female non binary voices is just, as I said before, we don't know what heathenry looked like and you know let's be real the vikings and the norse people of that time were kind of shitty compared to today's standards but that brings in the idea that we aren't like in reconstructing we're not trying to emulate them we're not trying to be those people like we really just want to like we the religion is appealing to us and we're modernizing it. Yes, we're filling in some of those gaps with, you know, stuff that is relevant to us now and as modern people and adjusting and adapting stuff that might not work for us as well. Like, you know, some of those traditional gender roles that they had in the Viking Age. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I think it's a kind of a um, 
miscommunication almost between we're trying to revive a religion and not a culture. Um, I think that, like, specifically in terms of media representation, they can kind of forget that. Like, this thing, but what the Vikings were, you know, horrendous people. And we're like, well, we're not trying to recreate the culture that surrounded them. We're trying to, you know, kind of revive the religion. Um, yeah. <laughs> run over. <laughs> yeah. There's a huge difference between culture and religion in a lot of ways. So, I mean, they were kind of, you know, they're interconnected, but yeah, we're not reviving the culture. We're not trying to be Vikings. We're just trying to bring some of those spiritual practices into the modern age. We can pick and choose in terms of the more toxic elements to leave behind. Hell yeah. Like gender roles. <laughs> exactly. What are everybody's specific interests or focuses on heathenry at the moment? Um, and it says specifically, Sif, pick only two. <laughs> I can do that. I, I do have, you know, I know this. Challenge accepted. <laughs> you know, it's no points for guessing what I'm going to say. Um, one, historical Sather. It giveth and it taketh away. But it's absolutely one of my focuses at the moment. Um, and in challenging some long-held beliefs about the Valkyries, um, because I feel that academia and practitioners really settled on what the Valkyries were almost a century ago, and no one has challenged it since. Um, we've all just agreed that they're Odin servants, essentially, and that really does them a disservice. So um, historical Sather is going to be a lifelong interest, absolutely, but it also has exciting ties to almost everything in the law, in my belief. So yeah, those two are my answers. Valkyries, historical Sather, I'm locking it in. <laughs> I think those are we're just waiting for your book to come out just saying yes it's gonna happen I'll I'll, I'll taper it off there otherwise I will continue talking <laughs> I guess mine are sort of parallel to Sif's I'm actually looking at kind of reviving a modern settler practice, kind of taking some of the historical backgrounds and historical sources that we've seen of it and actually working it into my own witchcraft practice, kind of trying to, again, that's part of me trying to figure out where I'm weaving all of this in. And research-wise, because of Sif, it's the Valkyries. Yeah. As soon as Sif <laughs> come, starts dropping sources, I'm like, ooh, and I just pick up more books and start reading more. So that's a lot of mine is weaving that settler practice into my more eclectic witchcraft practice. So trying to actually start to really meld my heathen and my witchcraft together and then deep diving into the Valkyries. And I blame Sif for that. <laughs> they really are <laughs> man and it is a problem like heathenry is called the religion with homework for a reason and it sucks because you know you're i mean it's great it's great on one hand because you will never stop learning you will never stop growing there's always something else to read and find out about but at the same time you will never stop reading mm -hmm. but you'll also never be bored exactly like, so for me, I can echo exactly what Jay just said, because that's what I'm doing, too. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm just starting to look into Sather and stuff, and I am also trying to modernize it into my praxis, and I'm also just, I'm, I'm still such a baby heathen, I just am learning as much as I can. Yeah, I mean, like, I have been heathen 
for about a decade at this point. Um, there were years in there where I didn't practice at all for, uh, you know, a lot of different reasons. But um, right now, I'm really just trying to kind of reroute my practices in the historical sources again, since I kind of spent a lot of time up until about a year and a half, two years ago, really just kind of exploring my spirituality without the sources, kind of more like by intuition and doing the thing rather than just reading the thing and then talking about the thing. So I was trying to apply the knowledge that I have learned over the, you know, the few years prior and actually just do it. So I'm trying right now to kind of balance the two things out again. <laughs> so I'm trying to really read back up on like the Eddas and some of the sagas and the sources and all of that stuff and really make sure that I'm on the right track here because I, I do reconstruction. So that's kind of my jam. Same. <laughs> <laughs> I'm main too. I'm going to internalize the Sif only passage and apply it to myself as well. Our runes, runes are always going to be the center of my existence, the bastards. Um, and <laughs> while Seder is on the list, Roll Dome, Scandinavian folk magic is kind of overstepping Seder right now. I am out of spite, like glaring at Seder as a practice and leaning more toward folk magic, Troll Dome. Well, there's some really interesting stuff there too. Like, yeah. and it's still a living practice in a lot of places. So you have a little bit more information to pull from, which is nice. I'm jealous. It's a little more information. It's a fun ad lib game of which God's name did they cross out and fill in with Jesus or God or the Father or the Lord. It's really great. <laughs> Super fun. I mean, I just picked that book up as well and we'll be diving into it soon. It's a time. Um, I guess we can move on to the next question. And that is, uh, what are your biggest challenges or things you're happy with when it comes to your practice right now? I think we're going to need a bingo card for me. Right? <laughs> only How many times does Sif? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, right. Sather obviously is a challenge at the moment because I feel like I've set myself up to fail in a certain extent to try and recreate elements of it. Uh, it's a lot of uh, trial and error, experimentation, a lot of reading. Uh, so that's a challenge. I would say another one would be personally in terms of where I want to be in terms of um, kind of daily practice, you know, incorporating like the small moments, like a shared cup of tea with ancestors and that sort of thing. Things I'm happy with, I would say uh, my hearth cult, uh, the gods I currently worship, and I couldn't be happier in that regard just because I feel I feel content, which is probably a very rare thing. So I'm, you know, just embracing all of that while I can. In terms, of I feel like all the gods that I currently worship challenge me, and you know, all that. So yeah, woo. <laughs> I'm happy that I've developed a daily praxis. I do need to. I. I've been slowly getting into it and like expanding it as time passes, just so it's not, you know, overwhelming and I quit because my brain's like, no, I can't do that every day. <laughs> and so I'm really happy with that. I'm happy with the relationships I'm developing with the deities I work with. A lot of challenges I have is just the available materials because I have been trying to do things from a little bit more of a recon perspective than I have in the past um, and I do have um, a lot of trouble focusing on reading books 
I love to read, but sometimes my brain just won't do it, if that makes sense. Well, and, like, these sources are hard to read. They're, yeah. The language is old. That Sometimes just the font is unreadable because they're old prints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, like, when I got the Road to Hell book, the print in that book is tiny. It's so small. That's so my tiny. baby. Like, to the point where I just, I think I found a PDF because it was, at least when I got it, it was publicly available. I'm not sure about now. But I definitely, like, I bought the book and then I picked up the PDF and started reading that way with it enlarged. Because otherwise I'm going to need to read it with a magnifying glass. I love that book. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that made me feel really old for the sheer fact <laughs> of I'm sitting there, I'm doing what my parents have to do with books. And I'm like, I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad I'm not the only one who noticed how tiny that print Oh, was. no. It's not just you. Like, I have that same problem with, like, oh, yeah. some of the, the Saxo Grammaticus sources. Like, just the font oh. that they use. It's bold, but it's also fucking tiny as hell. Like, I'm 33. My eyesight's not that bad, and I get headaches reading that book. It's terrible. <laughs> yep. I think my biggest challenge has also been the thing that has made me the happiest at being allowing myself to not on a schedule allowing myself to not feel pressured to do a daily thing or ritual every full moon or whatever i found out pretty quick that that was just me setting myself up for failure and disappointment so i stopped <laughs> i stopped doing it yeah. i am so much happier just smiling at the moon when it feels right and things like that i think a lot of times especially when you're new at this feel like you have to go full catholic and do the big thing every week and offer and food and snacks and me and go buy the nicest wine you can find not the vibe so i stopped and it has brought me so much more peace and calm and been more authentic to the way in which i exist as a human being which is chaotic no i think that's good advice I think we get so caught up in the kind of like the big we must do the big offerings and the big moments that we just kind of forget about the small more intimate offerings moments Mm -hmm. you know yeah as kind of said it's like that's really coming from like a very christian perspective and it's like well heathenry is not christianity like it's supposed to just be ingrained in your life i suppose christianity is also supposed to be ingrained in your life when you're christian but (laughs) yeah um, yeah. I mean, it is it's um, less performative than yeah, Christianity feels that's what I meant. very performative like, I don't know if y'all have been to Catholic Mass but it is a spectacle oh they're standing up it's... and sitting down and standing up and sitting down and spin around say the words and to you or whatever it's a whole production and while you can have those things in heathenry there are the, the big rituals the big like one that comes to mind is like Halloween is for hell and we do a big thing and we make it a show and that's great. Not everything has to be that show. Oh yeah. I mean there's a place, there's a time and a place for, you know, big ritual and theatrics and making it very dramatic and setting a tone and a mood and an atmosphere and all of that stuff. And you can do something that does that for you on a much smaller scale whenever you want to. It doesn't have to be like a Yule ritual with like all the candles and the, you know, the straw goat that you light on fire in the backyard. Like it can be something small inside. And we're going to touch on that in some later episodes. 
about uh, why you don't need all the stuff if you don't have all the stuff. The last question we have is what is the part of your practice that brings you the most joy? Um, I would say at the moment it's the gifting cycle uh, just because it feels so intuitive and right at the moment. And I will say my research uh, and art as devotional practices. I'm very content with both of those elements, uh, specifically the pursuit of knowledge and in bringing a new perspective to a variety of things, helping others find some clarity and for my art in particular, allowing pagans to have an image of their gods that really clicks for them. Uh, that's ongoing and hopefully something that I can do for a while yet. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I don't really talk about my personal practice as much, um, but that's something I'm going to have to get over uh, doing the podcast, I think. <laughs> But I, I really love how flexible and adaptable heathenry is. Um, for me, you know, starting out as a pagan and as a heathen a million years ago, it feels like um, I didn't want something that was going to dictate the things that I did with my life or how I did them. And heathenry sort of instead gives me a framework and worldview to work within that allows for change and flexibility and growth rather than a very black and white moral ethical code situation um uh heathenry doesn't have a central authority there's no pope there's uh no book that tells you what what you can and cannot do so that's uh that's great for people like me with an authority problem <laughs> i do think that's something that at least for me has also been really good is that there's no one correct way to heathen you do what feels right to you and some days that's the giant ritual with the 12 candles and every god statue out on your altar and the big long prayer and, you know, all of that. And sometimes it's just sitting there pouring a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and talking. Mm -hmm. Those days, both of those kinds of days bring a certain kind of joy to my practice too. So Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah no I, I agree like i i like that heathenry can look so many different ways um one thing that in my life right now that brings me the most joy is that i have a fireplace kind of at the center of my house my my hearth as it were jealous um, so jealous it's not a functional fireplace but i still use it to just like I've turned it into an altar. That's cool. That is cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Oh, that's so cool. You have to take pictures of that now. Yeah. I'm sure it in the server. I'm gonna clean my altar up first. <laughs> Psh, don't clean it. <laughs> we don't care. My my life is a hot mess. Okay. Let it be a mess. We are called dirty heathens for a reason. Well, uh huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a motto. That's going down. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I love chaotic altars and minimalist ones equally all altars are beautiful and i'm just at the point where i completely refuse to separate my regular kitchen utensils from witchcraft stuff because it it's part of my everyday life that is a perfect example of how to integrate your practice into your daily life yeah well when i started i was so poor i was a student yeah i didn't have any money for anything um and so, like, it just, that's where it started and that's where it stayed. And I'm not really interested in buying extra stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but that's perfect, though, because one of the things I say a lot when people, I don't know why people come to me as a source, but sometimes people ask me things, which is a mistake on their part. But so far, it's worked out okay. 
Is uh, <laughs> I don't need to go buy all the things and do all the stuff. Ancient people didn't have all of the shiny rocks and fancy tools. They had what they used every day, and they made it work. They used what they have. Yeah. I'm going to use what I have. Give me fire, and I'm golden. There you go. All of Just the flame. On fire. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, we don't really have any more questions to answer. How do we? How do we end an episode? I don't know why my brain was like, "It's never going to end." I'm not going to do anything at the end. <laughs> Each of us go down, and you know, thanks for listening. This has been Heathen Weirdos, and just sign off. I don't know. I quite like this as the sign off. <laughs> Just <laughs> How do we do it? It's <laughs> yeah. over now. Yes. Question mark. We just leave. <laughs> yeah, we just back away slowly. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Okay. And then well, after uh, I get to edit. Somebody start the exit yeah, music. So be good. Exit music. Oh, play us off. Play us off. <laughs> yeah, so this is uh, episode zero of the Heathen Weirdos podcast. Hopefully, you have a better idea of who we are, what we're going to do, and where we're trying to get to so thank you for listening and we'll see you when we get episode one going or something we did it every episode needs to end with a legitimate sign off dot 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 or something yeah yes. or something <laughs>